Welcome back to the Engineering YouTube and podcast. I really should check and see what episode each week is. And every single week I record one of these and then go, oh crap, I don't even know what episode it is. So, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. It is episode 23. Um, good, episode 23. So we're getting through them. We're finally getting to the point where content's going out regularly i'm in a bit of a routine uh yes so if you haven't yet headed over to youtube um and subscribe subscribing is going pretty well and so are the viewing figures and so are the impressions i think we're up to about three hundred thousand impressions in the last 28 days so it's all going in the right direction all very happy about that um but yeah, so the video to all of these episodes, or most of these episodes, is available on YouTube um, with the audio content available on all the podcast streaming services. So, um, and I will plug very quickly before we get into the main meat of the conversation, um, where you can find uh, me, uh, and that's at Engineering UK on Instagram. At Engineering everywhere else, pretty much. I'm still fighting for this bloody... Uh, engineering account so I can have it all as engineering but until then um, at engineering UK on Instagram if you want to get hold of me directly it's info at engineering.com let's have a quick chat before we get into the uh, main topic today um, so there's only a couple of things really before I get into um, the actual full episode because it's a long one right so it's a heritage episode uh, with auto farm and Mikey Wasty, the managing director of auto farm um, but a couple of things to talk about first. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but this is a UK-based so uh, podcast. So um, when I talk about uh, legislation changes, that sort of stuff, it's referring to UK uh, law, not international law or the States or uh, India, apparently. I've got a lot of fans in India, so that's really good. Um, but those places, uh, yeah, it doesn't apply to that. But I'd be interested to hear from you and what your situation is in terms of this. Uh, pop and bang maps. So uh, if I explain what that is in terms of, because I don't know if that uh, translates across the world. So pop and bang maps, you can basically uh, retard the ignition. Uh, is it retard the ignition or advance the ignition? Either retard or advance the ignition to allow a dump of fuel into the exhaust uh, on overrun. And then when you back off, um, so you create an overrun situation, it ignites in the exhaust and creates loads of bangs. Um, those can be done uh, at factory to a certain extent. So if I think about my uh, Porsche 981 Cayman, it does that like a trooper based on you being in sport plus mode. So sport creates some seemingly natural um organic pops and bangs and cracks uh and in sport plus it does that even more in normal mode it doesn't at all so there's obviously a timing change that happens when you hit that button it changes the fueling and the timing to create those sorts of pops and bangs um it gives you a bit of a, a feel good factor when you do it it feels like a 1980s rally car um when i put the design 911 uh, design tech exhaust on my 981 uh, it does it loads which is and it's valve valved exhaust right so i can turn it all off and have it quite quiet uh, if i'm doing sort of bigger miles and if i'm hooning around the countryside somewhere then i can have it on idiot mode so no big deal right well the problem is uh the dvsa so uh the driver um I don't know what even DVSA stands for. Uh, the government organisation that manage uh, and monitor... I'm going to have to check, actually. One sec. 
Yeah, so the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency, which is the sort of UK governing body for um, standards a vehicle can operate on on the roads, on UK roads, um, they ran a test, basically, and approached this company called AET Motorsport in the UK um, and asked for a uh, pop-and-bang map and a decat. So, um, again, in the UK... Um, if you have a catalytic converter fitted, I think it's anything after 1992, um, they have to stay there by law. You can't get rid of them. Um, my understanding is California is really strict in terms of emissions as well. But the, yeah, so in the UK, it's not particularly difficult to have a small pipe made up that removes the catalytic converter, puts a pipe in, and you can normally get some sort of resistor-based plug that goes into the same part that the lambda sensor would go in to fool the ECU to thinking they're still... Um, the correct values in place so you don't get an engine warning light on what it also does is allow loads more um, it's, it's a different you're creating a situation where the back pressure in the exhaust is different the if the uh, lambda values that would be given back to the ECU to manage and monitor and maintain fuel maps and ignition maps that sort of stuff changes um, because you create those conditions there's a likelihood of you getting um, increased pops and bangs. That's a very high-level version of it. Um, and even I don't fully understand that. You need to speak to an engine tuner in detail to get the, you know, the perfect explanation for it, but that's pretty much there. Um, so, it, yeah, and then we've got this other thing that came in fairly recently, which is a noise nuisance trial throughout the UK, and they've got these gantries on the side of um, some roads that are kind of, uh, I think, probably in more rural areas, it's probably fair to say, definitely around Hampshire in the UK, um, where they're monitoring for uh, excessive noise created by uh, vehicles. So that's where these pops and bangs and exhaust uh, changes come into effect. So... You can't necessarily see them. They're not in the same way that in the again in the. I'm going to talk. I'm not going to keep repeating the fact that it's a UK-based thing. Is you all just assume it's all UK, um, but there are laws around making sure that if you put a camera in, that they have to be painted yellow and they have to be you know distance at a certain spacing, um, and they have to be you know clearly visible to the driver. That's not the case with these noise pollution. Um, you can't call them cameras, are can you? Uh, microphones sensing devices um so people are getting um picked up and they're acquiring a ton of data right so which is problematic because it might be appropriate if in the middle of nowhere you're not affecting anybody to you know to have a slightly louder exhaust can't see personally personally can't see the issue with that uh driving through a housing estate at 12 o'clock at night with a pop and bang map and you exhaust on stupid mode I mean, you're asking for trouble, right? And and common decency says don't do that. So, uh, and bouncing car off the rev limiter in a built-up area. That, I mean, it's just applied common sense. Problem is, you try and apply common sense to everybody, and I'm sure as you're thinking, same as me, that for them, a lot of the time it doesn't occur, does it? So you end up with this situation where, quite rightly so, uh, residents of a local area near a fast road are getting really fed up with the idea of you know, being woken up at 2 a.m. because some idiot's driving around with, a, you know, an exhaust map that's um, creating really stupid pops and bangs all over the place with, a you know, the noise volume way too high. So I don't begrudge. I kind of sympathize um, with the people that have to put up with that. If I was living in a built-up area, even a petrol head like me, I would be pretty fed up if if, if we have got someone local to us, to me and my wife. Uh, it's, an, it's, a, it's a motorbike, but it's the same thing. It applies to both, right? Gets up at 5 a.m. 
um, and they've got a, a stupid exhaust in their motorbike and they fire down the road um, and wake everybody up. Uh, so yeah, it's not ideal. So I get the problem. Here's where it gets tricky though, is that you've got these uh, gantries that are sort of sensing all this noise, acquiring all this data about how many people are creating this problem. And you've got the DVSA that went out and tested AAT Motorsport and said, um, you know, sort of secret customer kind of thing. Can you put in a DCAT pipe and create a pop and bank map? Uh, AAT Motorsport didn't challenge, didn't explain that it's an illegal thing to do um, and, and complied with the customer's request. Well, they got fined, didn't they? So <laughs> disaster. Um, the bigger question that's been, I've seen banded around, Evo Magazine have talked about it a little bit. Uh, Jalopnik has come up there. Piston Heads has come up there. Um, I haven't intervened in any of those conversations. I'm not going to because I want to talk about it with you guys. But what does that mean now? Um, you could argue, and I'm not an MOT tester, but you could argue that this uh, gives MOT testers um, it's more... There's less interpretation of what standard noise is, a standard level of noise for that exhaust, because you can't expect an OT tester to know exactly what the volume of every single factory exhaust. And nor really can you expect them to be able to look at an exhaust and think, well, that's not the factory one. And But the law is, or the, the wording, something along the lines of um, exhausts have to be to a um, standard OEM spec including um construction including you know all that stuff basically so but the reality is as cars get older and those exhausts fail and they need replacing you know a customer or a, you know an owner of a car might not want to fit you know a porsche factory exhaust so you look for an alternative because it's half the price um and if you're going to change an exhaust so you go for a performance exhaust then you look at whether you want it valved or not very quickly you're in a situation where you it's unrealistic to think that you're going to get an MOT tester to look at every single exhaust and then fail all the cars that don't have a factory exhaust but nor do you want this situation where you've got lots of people driving around residential areas late at night creating a noise disturbance so I get what they're trying to do and I get the tests they find AET Motorsport I can't remember what the value was but they find them and it's created this murmur now across the industry where it's like, well, what are we going to do? Because outlawing, um, immediately outlawing all performance exhaust, it seems like a stretch too far. I think most reasonable um, people would think, nope, don't want to be a pest. So that's fine too. Um, so really it goes back to common sense, right? Those of you that have got um, a sports exhaust, just use it with some common sense. Don't drive around late at night in built up areas or, you know, razzing past people's houses and you know banging off the rev limiter just wait until you're in the middle of nowhere and do that stuff for me that's pretty obvious and that's what i do anyway but clearly um there is a sort of swell a ground swell of people being pretty irritated by it and wanting something to change and legislation to change and the government are listening in the uk and there's a likelihood that this is going to cause problems for the future so whether it means all sports exhausts are going to be um, removed from sale in the UK. I don't see that happening. But then if you look at France and Belgium and some of the other European countries, and I know we're not in the EU now, but um, if you look at them, they, are, they can't do anything. French cars have to be completely standard. You barely put wheels on. Um, and even if you do change the wheels, they've got to be to the exact same size, things like that. So 
to think in this country that you can be cocky enough and not expect there to be any changes is probably also a stretch too far. So I guess like anything, if you, you know, if people are a little bit more careful and they see that you know where those gantries are and drive a little slower, be a bit more considerate, they don't have the um, the vast amount of data to support their hypothesis in that everybody drives like an idiot and you know there's a noise creating noise disturbance then the chances are the problem will go away but if everybody ignores it and carries on exactly as they are we might end up facing more stringent mot tests with you know um there there are kind of obviously emissions based uh tests for exhaust in the uk but and there are subjective volume tests as a part of the, the mot testing in the uk um but maybe maybe see uh, noise level tests, dB meter readings from, you know, at different in the much the same way you get those at a track day. Can't go over ninety eight decibels or whatever. Um, I think it's a reasonable chance that that will come into force. And if you've got, they'll rev your car up with the valves open, and they'll be intelligent enough to know if you've got a valve exhaust and want the valves open, rev it up to three thousand revs and fail you if you get a dB reading over ninety five or ninety eight decibels or something. So. Um, I'm not sure it's super grim, the outlook, but it's not great. So, yeah, let me know what your thoughts are. If you're listening to this on YouTube, um, stick in the comments section what you think the next steps will be. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? You know, is it too is it too far? Do you support, Are you a resident of a local area that gets hammered like, I, like we do, me and my wife, by some moron with an exhaust on a bike? Uh, or do you you love it and you are happy to be kind of um, one of the residents that supports it? Uh, caffeine and machine talk about it. Don't be a dick. Uh, just don't be a dick. That's my take on the whole thing. So um, let's see what happens though. I think this is the start of of probably a bit more to come on this this topic. So as it changes, I'll pick it back up. Um, but for now, that's where we are with pop and bang maps and exhausts. Um, I'm gonna have a bit of a groan. Porsche AG, thank you very much for your display of a Panamera being controlled by a mobile phone. And uh, oh god, last week I talked about uh, Turbo Night on Porsche Turbo models and that being a bit of a you know a pointless thing to do. They've obviously latched on to Tesla's um, you know stupid you know things you can do. And I get it, it's a bit of fun. It's fine, but Tesla Tesla cars are a gimmick anyway for me. So. It's not like you can't take them too seriously because Elon Musk isn't that serious. Porsche, I don't know why, but they it just doesn't seem right. So they basically, let me I'm dancing around the topic, but you can use on your phone now an app that with a brand new Panamera, um, they've got this uh, active ride technology, which means you can basically lift and lower and um, the suspension on the car, each corner side by side, just by jiggling your phone around the phone, your finger around on the phone. So. There was a video that popped up of a, of somebody doing that, and the car looked like it was a low rider being bounced around on stilts, and it just looked ridiculous. There was an argument. Somebody kind of commented in one of the um, threads I was, you know, reading about it and saying it's for sandal mud mode. A Panamera sandal mud, possibly, maybe once a year, depending on the where you live in the world. Maybe I don't think that's really. If you were thinking about a an investment of technology or you know the time it takes to create some technology and then you know build it and have it on all cars would you really want to do that for that one car so i don't know what that is i personally i think it's a gimmick i thought porsche were better than that if i'm honest uh maybe at some point i'll talk to 
Porsche GB and they can explain to me what I'm missing and why it's actually better than than I think it is but yeah to me it's I just don't want to see the era of Porsche with low build quality and gimmicks it's just not the brand that I think you know it's not those aren't brand values that I think of or you know a vision um you know we've been very lucky with the last few years in terms of GT models and RS models and you know Manti this and um and having you know the right people at the helm to develop those models it's felt like a bit of a sort of a heyday pre-electric um where we're getting to see some really exciting stuff so to kind of dumb it right down to you know bouncing around you know just it's just ridiculous um but let me know what you think about that as well so intrigued to know whether you think those sorts of gimmicks should live in a car or whether and i'm just being a bit boring or whether you think the same as me and actually it's a bit of a waste of time and energy and money on something like that hopefully it's an option and it's a really expensive option and if you don't tick it then you don't get it and we'll find out that 95 percent of people don't bother because it's what a waste of money for three grand we'll see um and the last thing i'm going to come on to is um a more serious topic uh, a, a friend of mine mentioned something about this and I'm not going to go into great detail but I'm going to go in I'm going to put my ITP in there and then, <laughs> and then leave it if you're in the same situation as me where you know you're talking to people and you're going out to see them and they're kind enough to take you out for a drive in their car or you are able to have the keys and then use it the car for yourself um, anybody in this situation owes it to that owner to be to treat that car with respect and uh, be careful with it treat it as if it's your own property even if you're insured it's kind of irrelevant really you know it's I'm, I'm just starting out on this journey and I'm always excessively grateful to people for their time let alone being given the opportunity to have the keys and go for a drive so it's really sad when you see somebody that's a friend um, that's had an experience with obviously not going to say who I don't want to turn to a, a you know a, a sort of diff- create friction even more friction in the industry or the community but just you know again just be kind be a decent human being and actually if you're going to use someone's car I'll take the opportunity to um, you know treat it with respect anyway um, I'm pretty sure that that's a universal agreed thing you know, if you're listening to this and you own a Porsche and I borrowed your car wouldn't you want me to be decent with it and treat it with respect and hand it back the way I came to me of course you would um, anyway I won't say any more on that but the person that um, if my friend out there is listening to this um, I'm on your side mate and um, yeah it just needs to be we all need to be better than that if we're in this this industry of YouTube or um, a tester a road tester of any sort um, and on that note, I'm going to stop talking. What we have? 19 minutes. Gee, this is going to be the longest episode of engineering so far. If you're still with me, thanks so much. Um, if you are here only for Auto Farm, then uh, and you've skipped ahead and you've just you've picked up the fact that there's some background music now, then that's the obviously the indicator that we're getting close to the uh, the actual. Um, the main topic of the today or the main event for today so um, this is myself and Mikey Wasty direct managing director of Auto Farm talking about everything all their experiences how the company grew and a drug barons uh, 911 and I'll see you back at the end welcome back to the engineering YouTube and podcast and welcome to Mikey Wasty 
Hi. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Wasty? Wait, yeah, Wasty. It is Wasty. Yeah, Wasty, yep. Managing Director of Auto Farm. Um, welcome to the channel. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, what a place. This is the third time I've been here. I think the first time was either the first or second boxing gas event that was run. And I had a mooch round and I was literally just starting engineering. I'd done no pieces <clears> to camera. And I collared a couple of your guys. There's one guy that was a, I think he was an apprentice, or he's just, he's in his first year or two years. Yeah. And I, and I, I, and I watched the footage back and I pinned him in the corner and asked him a ton of questions. And he was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But ever since like that, that kind of experience of walking around here and seeing what you guys do, uh, yeah, from that day, and that was probably three, four years ago now, and then we've obviously had coronavirus in the meantime, but I've been itching to come back and learn about this place. Ah, and learn cool. about Absolutely itching. And um, yeah, so thank you for having me. Ah, no problem. It's lovely. It's like, it's weird. We sort of, it's like our front room. It's our living room. It is. Um, yeah, yeah. This would be my living room, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ask my wife. She. I could get away with this at home. This would definitely be. My yeah, room. yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a, like it's a stunning, it's a stunning place, and uh, you know, the relocation of Auto Farm from the old site to here at Boxing Gas, um, you know, has been, it's been fantastic. I mean, what Frank has his vision of what he wanted to create mm. and still creating and right? still creating yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and being in it and part of it um has been phenomenal um auto farm has always been quite a a grainy business that mm. you know it's it's never been polished on the outside it's never been this right. white brick white yeah. wall kind of business uh, we've had red brick in our last place and it was on a farm and we kind of wanted to keep that industrial feel yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. and in the early days talking with frank we were talking about how Auto Farm was, and he was talking about his ideas, and it was like this, like it's the same. Like uh, there we was, there were no clashes. There, Every, no, I mean, no, generally, I mean, it was all kind of on the same page. Definitely, you know, the the whole. We mentioned the red brick. We want to try and keep the red brick, yeah, and it was yeah. like it was like music to his ears. He's like, oh, cool, Perfect. that's what I wanted, cool. red brick. Because um, he's all aesthetic, right? He like everything has to. We, I was shooting with Frank. He won't mind me saying this, by the way, but seconds before I, I started I started recording he was adjusting the like the magazines on this yeah, <laughs> yeah. literally it's the tiniest detail yeah. with that guy devil's so in the detail it really devil's is, in the detail. is. Um, but let's start with and I do all these and I deep dive a little bit of um, the person's journey right so I think this is this is what fascinates me is the buildings and the cars and the businesses they're really interesting but somebody that is owning or running a business there's a journey, there's normally a, a story behind how yeah, that yeah. happens. So if we start, um, well, as young as you want to go, really. So where, where is your, I mean, I was chucked in the back of an NGBGT and the only way I'd sleep is by sitting on the parcel shelf and going, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I go to sleep. What was that, what was that for you? What, oh, where did that know, start? My dad, my dad wasn't, wasn't uh, in the motor industry at all, but mm. he just had a massive passion for cars. Right. So, you know, if we weren't going to motor racing events, or we weren't cleaning his cars at the weekend. It was always a passion, you know, mm, mm. A hobby, you know, doing stuff and tinkering in the garage. Um, and for me, I just loved doing things with my hands. So from a real early age, I, I got into a lot of trouble taking everything apart. If right. I had a new bike, it with was absolutely in bits. no ability to put it back together, no ability to put it back <laughs> together. It was in bits everywhere. Right. Um, and then slowly, a dad would come in and he'd be like, you know, your bike was in bits, and I've come back later and it's all back together ah, and it's like okay. working. Um, that did migrate onto a few 
sore subjects where I decided to disassemble his car <laughs> uh, before we were going to like. What events. car was that? What, what sort of cars he did he had? Then? He had an XR3i at the time. Okay. Um, and we were big into big into the Fords. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which generation was that on the XR3? So that would be the three, Mark four. III. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was just like we they're going out, and we've I've taken bits off the engine, and he's come out, and he's. In you're trying to reach out the car, but you've got no idea what you're doing, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of where the hobby side of it started. Um, but I never really had any aspiration to do that as a job. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to do something different, and you know, it was. I'd looked at joining the military. Mm. Um, I've got a, a, a background in air cadets. Yeah. Um, started there very young, and that gave me a really good footing for, you know, getting involved in activities and doing things like Duke and Edinburgh and just getting off. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, getting just off on your own feet and doing and stuff. Doing right? stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was that was one route I, I was considering going down. Um, architect is where mm. I did my work experience. Architect's office, and absolutely loved it. Um, but there was just always this niggling thing that as much as I sort of enjoyed it, wasn't my passion. Um, so I went and did an engineering course at Oxford full time. Right, okay. uh, and that was mechanical and electrical. Right, right. And just, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. A brilliant experience. And it was actually one of the lecturers came to me and he said, if you're making something that's got some automotive input in, he said, there's like this this beam of light that you right. inject into it. Yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. if it's got no automotive application, you give it, you give it just what you need to give it, but you don't bring anything more. And it kind of was a bit of a wake-up call. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And at did, that, at that point, point, did you have a did you have a car that you were kind of your a special car to you? Or was it just like you're a student, so you got transport? And that's I had it. transport. I mean, I, my my first car was a um, a white Polo Coupe S. Nice. Um, I mean, and, I'm enthusiastic about that. Yeah. And I, you know, that's actually a car I wish I still had. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, such yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Someone I know recently. An um, ABF 16 valve in it. We're on, yeah. on throttle bodies. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And they, I got to sit in one recently and it smelled exactly the Did same. Did it really? As, right. Yeah. yeah it's, it was phenomenal. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a car I used to tinker around on and that's what I was using to go to college cool. in. Okay. Um, I think I would spend more time repairing it than I did driving it because a bit heavy handed when you're younger and doing stuff you probably shouldn't. And yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I learned a lot, um, and I think it, that that was a point where I thought, right, I need to maybe try this as a as a career. Um, and I, I I went to do work experience at a local Vauxhall dealership. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's not it, like love working on cars, but I just felt I just couldn't do the same thing every day, yeah. like doing. Yeah. The it's very. And no disrespect to any mechanic in a in a sort of production environment that's my background albeit Lotus so that's much nicer but Chrysler and Jeep with the other products and yeah. it's very churny you just sort of you do the same set of drop links and the same crossfire yeah, yeah. or the same PT Cruiser and who wants to work on a PT Cruiser um, and then a, an Elise or an Exige you come in and then suddenly they kind of you can see everybody's like oh, okay much happier now yeah, much yeah. happier because there's something to do right yeah. rather than so so Vauxhall didn't like your fire I totally get no, that no I mean it was good it was, it was it was a good group of guys to work with and it gave me good insight into one side of the industry uh, and I think at that particular time cars were a lot less technical in the sense of electronics yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it just it just it just I'm not it just it was a place where I just wasn't sure I wanted to be yeah. and actually the college I was going to at the time had a driver that worked for Auto Farm. Um, oh, okay. And he was a lecturer, uh, or an ex-lecturer, that yeah. had taken the driving job at Auto Farm right. as, as like a retirement job. 
And that's how I got mm. into auto farm. So I had an interview with Josh and I came to see this. I, I remember it was a hot sunny day. It was a dusty farm and there was a, uh, a 9-11 T rally, a 1968 uh, car okay. outside. Right. which I had no appreciation for at the time. Did you not? The German brand was a bit alien to me because I was kind of forward. And I just remember yeah, walking yeah. in thinking, that's cool. And somebody started it up and it was this like raw, gritty, straight through mega pipes, uh, mega Lumpy cams is And I thought, wow. Um, and that's where it started. Right. Um, so I started as an apprentice with Josh. I worked in the service side, worked in projects, did some stuff in the office in parts. Um, yeah, just what, so what, what year was this? What, roughly what? This would have been 98. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, just worked through. I uh, loved the project side. That's where I really focused in on because I loved challenges. I liked, you know, mm. you would get something from Porsche and it wouldn't fit or mm. you'd take a generation, you'd take something from a 90s car because we were doing a lot of, before the recreation thing really kicked off, we yeah. were doing a lot of rip, like, Backdating, Backdating yeah, yeah. and we were taking parts and trying to fit them to cars that they weren't designed to fit. And you know, it's I've always had this mentality of I want to do something the way Porsche would have done it themselves. Hundred percent. So uh, that's easier said than done, right? Especially uh, when massively it's, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, now because technology's moved on, um, you know, things are you know like the 3D printing and how yeah. you can get something from like a drawing to manufacturing. CAD, SolidWorks, there's all this stuff you can do now yeah. that it makes life so much easier. Than where, where at the start for us, we, was, we, we you know, it was a little bit more hands-on. You were trying to prove things yeah, uh, yeah. the more agricultural way. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's sort of that's the side I've I've really enjoyed. Um, mm. Yeah. So there's so that's got you to the point where you're at the old. Premises. Old premises. And so that yeah. ran to, and you were on the tools working for how long? How long were you doing that for? Oh God, um, it was probably eight years ago that I started to phase out of the tools. I mean, okay. there was a point where we were building project cars where I was, uh, Josh uh, was still running the business. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, would I was building project cars. I was also estimating, invoicing. Um, so there was a lot that I was trying mm, to do. Mm. Um, so there were long hours. But the reward for me was like building this car. Yeah. And I remember some of the trips that the clients had got planned for the car. So it'd be a deadline to get a car done because yeah, they were yeah. going to Le Mans. And it's like the validation point of where they collect that car and that vision, vision that they had at the start is so suddenly realised. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking for that, have we done it? Have we done what they wanted? And when you get that kind of, oh, wow, this is mega, or you get the, the text messages that we're doing back then or WhatsApp now, like, you know, of a picture where the car's, you know, sitting on the ferry or something. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, we did oh, that. I did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that, yeah, was, yeah, that, yeah. that was really, that's the sense of enjoyment in, in it. Definitely. Um, have, that, you got, have you got a particular project in that kind of era? Have you got a project oh, that stands wow. out as the one that, like, if I, actually two, have you got one mm. that, ugh, if I could go and redo it, there's things on that I probably would do differently now. I'm sure that's iterative. You like technology's moved on, but and is there one that you go, oh, I could have kept that myself. I loved it that much. Oh yeah, there's so there is so many cars that you wish you had kept or uh, been involved in. I think in every client customer car that you do, there is 
a proportion of them in the car and a proportion of you in the car. Yeah. And there's always yeah. constraints which you might look at something and think, I probably wouldn't do it maybe that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So every project, you will look at it and go, if I was doing it for me, I'd do it slightly different. Sure. But actually, weirdly, there have been some cars that I've done where they'll, 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 they'll list the spec, you go through it, you start building it, and you think, this really, I can't see this, this I can't see this gelling. Mm. You get about halfway through and you think, oh my God. This, their vision's spot on. Their vision is spot on. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I think probably the most pivotal point for me in the project side was when we did the Beirut car, the Beirut RS. Um, very original car, you know, it, it, was, it was found with the roof caved in. So really, right. Uh, and the, the guy brought it to us and said, look, I want to restore the car. And we've been through the whole brief. And he'd said to us, like the closing comment was, okay, so just, just so we're clear, I want the full restoration, mechanical, want it to, you know, function properly. There is one stipulation I have. You don't change the appearance of anything on the car. Roof included? I mean, because <laughs> if it's like this, the roof you don't... is caved in. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling. Like, what, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't want the suspension to change in terms of how it looks. I want it to still have some okay, erosion, but I want it to function the way it did when it left the factory. But yeah, that's it's a like you've, you've, you want. There's quite a lot of work there. Yeah. Um, and I left that. I kind of left that project meeting with, I'm not sure we can deliver that, and, yeah, I, and I'm not sure yeah. that's the right thing to do. Fast forward like three or four months into the project, and we. We dressed the roof out without cracking the paint, um, but we still kept some light marks in there so you could see where it had been straightened. The car got a, a coating of like a satin lacquer so it didn't look like it was fresh lacquer and yeah. it kind of locked in what was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point, we were having people come in and they were going, oh wow, that's the Beirut car. That's and I suddenly thought, do you know what? If we painted this car and it was all fresh and brand new, it'd just be another just be 2.7 no, RS yeah, yeah. white with blue decals. Amazing, but not that car, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that car had a very unique story to tell, and it's still telling that story now. Is it still circling around? Still, still circulating still, around. Same guy owns it? Or? I think it's still the same guy that owns right, it. Right, right. Uh, we were up north on holiday, and I, see the, I, I could see the front of a 911 approaching me at, at great speed. Yeah, yeah. And it was the Beirut car. Is it really? And um, they used to use it. I use it all the time. But it was the fact that like that car's story was what had happened to it. And yeah. we hadn't we hadn't erased that. It's yeah. still there. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. we had done is put the enjoyment back into the car so yeah. that they could go and use it. And I remember talking to the owners and they said, do, do you know what? Because it's got the odd mark on it, we are using it. We're taking yeah. it to events, you know, we're going to hill climbs and just doing stuff and having fun. That's what it's about, right? And that changed that changed for me in terms of how we approach projects. It changed from that day forward. The preservation side was, mm. was big. Like mm. It's very easy to take a headlining out of a car and go, well, let's throw that and put a new one in because yeah. doesn't yeah. the new one look nice? But that may have taken 30 years to age, 40 years. You can't age. You can't, you can't do you that. Can't age things. You, and there are processes where people airbrush to make things look old, but if you're looking closely, real. yeah, and, it, and, and, the, and, I, and if you're starting from a blank sheet, you've got a piece of crap as a shell, and you're like, I want to make something that's got an old feel to it, all right, I'll buy that. But if you've got a historic car, that the, you then got all this lovely patina that's aged and it's taken decades to happen, but then you've got one part that someone's airbrushed, <clears throat> it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, it does. It stands out like a sore thumb. It does. So. And it's, 
And it's such a, you know, it, there's a few projects, I mean, people say like, what is the process for the, for the restorations and projects you do? And the truth is everyone is, everyone's different. Everyone is different because yeah. they start in a different condition and they've got a different story. Yeah. Um, and some of the cars, you are buying parts and sort of fitting them to the car and going, because it's a fine line between keeping original bits in the car yeah. and doing that whole out with the old and in with the new we're actually putting a car with a really nice coat of paint back together mm. with old, worn out, tatty bits. Yeah. So there's, a, there's just a balance in there. Yeah. And I guess that, that balance is the crucial bit, the customer journey and making sure that they understand what the boundaries are. Yeah. Financial boundaries, taste boundaries, yeah. you know, educating them a little bit from your experiences, but also listening to what they want because ultimately you're executing their vision. Yeah. So it's a, that's a, not all, I can imagine there's been some over the years some kind of difficult conversations to have where you're just so far apart. It's going to happen, right? They're yeah, so yeah. far apart in that journey that you know there needs to be a meeting of minds at some point. You know? Definitely, and I think what you say there about the the, the, the customer being is part of the process and the journey. Yeah. That's massive for me. That's big because they've got an idea of what they want, and sometimes it's been an idea that's been in their in their head since it was a poster car on the wall. Or, Absolutely. So they spent like so much more 20 30 40 it. years yeah. right yeah and that is i mean so i did a uh, porsche called podcast episode years ago um and that kind of question got asked to me like and it, and it was it was that um f40 959 930 yeah. all red you know the black 80s yeah. black background yes. red yeah, car yeah. super impact i mean crappy picture but and i'm <laughs> not in that situation where i'm buying a 930 or anything but at the same time if i was and i wanted a guards red 930 you know, I, that's my vision would be very specific about yeah. what I wanted. So I can totally see a customer being like, no, no, I've got to live with this thing, right? So yeah. we've got to work this out. And that is that's that's been that's been such a huge thing, really. In a lot of the projects we've done, the ones the projects that really, I think the projects that really come out to be unique at the end for whatever reason, be it a, a totally fresh build or yeah. a, a patinated car, it's the ones that have had a good customer client react uh, interaction level um, they, if they've got a good vision of what they want and you can execute it and, and that's when you're using your knowledge and sometimes it's taking you out your comfort zone yeah. there are things that you would look at most of the projects we've done just going out of your comfort zone that little bit is actually quite it's quite good yeah yeah especially if it's because I can't edit that bit out <laughs> don't worry um, it's a good time to check actually, don't worry, I'm just going to check and make sure everything's still flashing. Cool, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, so, so moving on a little bit then, so you guys, what did you, what did you move into this place? Uh, I think we've been here four years now. Four years, okay. Yeah, so it must have been the first year that you guys moved in, that Boxing Gas had a Yes, yeah, so the first year we thing. moved in, um, Frank did the first oil cooled edition, um, and that was, and we did like a little track day as well on the side of that right, okay. at Silverstone. Um, it was just nice, kind of. It was nice to be here. Mm -hmm. it was a bit, I mean, for us, it was a big shift to get here. Yeah. I think for Frank, it was a big validation point of, you know, but this vision I've got is actually it's, it's starting to happen. It's not just a, yeah. it's not just an empty space. There's a there's a heart in the building that's beating every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think 
opening the doors to oil cooled, it's just, it's really nice to kind of go, this is our home, this had is Had you us. done that before? Do you had anywhere where you'd had lots of customers or potential customers? Yeah, we used to ming- do quite a few open days yeah. at our last place. Um, yeah, we used to do lots of open days with like the Porsche Club, sure. um, different regions, but it was just a harder, it was a hard, Probably without being disrespectful to what was there because it served us so well at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just probably wasn't a place that we were as proud of. Yes. So you yeah. were always, you'd always go, oh, you know, it's a lovely place, but I'm sorry about this. Or, you know, I there was understand. always a kind of an excuse yeah, where. Yeah. Whereas this is perfect, right? Especially with the, you've got the fields locally, you can sort of expand out and use and, you know, you can set this sort of courtyard, you can set stuff out as you yeah, want to display yeah. it, you know, like that sort of, And I think you had two or three mid builds and I want to get onto one specific car in a minute but they, it, and, and that's what I walked into and I was like I was not I had no expectations I didn't know what I was walking into I kind of seen some of the the Instagram stuff and then I walked in and I was like oh god I could literally set up a camp cot in the corner and I you know don't mind me guys yeah 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 <laughs> I would have been really happy um, but that's the nice thing like because we we put a glass office box in kind of to to keep the guys that are processing and organising what happens within business part of what is going on in yeah. the business. So that was an inspired move because there's nothing more soul destroying than knowing everything's going on around you and you've got some plasterboard that you offer this whole yeah. so. I mean, it's lovely. We, from my office, I could see the Trinidad car kind of going together. You know, this, yeah. this royal purple thing taking shape from a painted shell into, and that's, you know, that's what I have to look at every day, which. You, we get complacent. We're surrounded by all this fantastic. Do you, do, that's a good point, actually. Do you get complacent? Is it? Yeah, honestly, there really? are days where customers will come in and go, "Wow, you've got some really amazing stuff." Oh, and really? I remember, <laughs> I remember saying something to the effect of, "Oh yeah, I think we've only got three RSs here today," or something to that effect. Right, and right. then you think, "Hang on a minute, we've got three 2.7 RSs in today, and there's a 993 Turbo S, and there's a 930 Turbo, and you start reeling off these cars, which are." Special Mega in their own oh, right. Oh, completely. And and the real and I find this with um, Festival of Speed or Revival. I get a sense of being overwhelmed. There's too much, right? I think they had. Um, I'll pause for a sec. Yeah, I think they had a uh, F40. No, no, a. Yeah, an F40, F50, Laugh, you know, like they, all these cars, right? And, yeah, and yeah. one of them, one of them on their own, I would have happily just sat around looking at all day. Same as the DLS, they had a DLS there. Um, loads of Tut Hill stuff. And, and I, any of those cars individually, I would have spent an hour yeah, just yeah. perversely looking over every detail. But you get to the point where there's so much going on that you just, for me anyway, I get overwhelmed and I'm like, oh great, look at that F40, what's next? Yeah. And th- that's, I guess, is an element of that same thing, right? You just see a lot of it. Yeah, because we see a lot of different cars in. I mean, it's the nice thing, you know, we, I can walk in and I can see a 928, a 924, all the way up to the really like halo expensive mm, cars. Mm. But that's kind of the, weirdly, about a year ago, I started to drive in in the morning and like take stock of what was here that's like cool actually just look and think such a breadth of models and generations yeah. of cars because yeah. of the different skill levels we've got with the staff that we've been here and their training background mm. you know we've got a guy that's great on nine to eights and nine four fours and you know as much through the years as they've maybe not seen as much love um because people do solely focus like it's the nine die hard 9/11. it's like nine eleven. yeah um 
So it's nice to see them get a bit of appreciation. And I think that's happening now. Oh, Matt, yeah, you're seeing, yeah. You're seeing a lot of it Even now. Even 914s are starting to pick up a little bit of love, yeah. and, you know, especially 914s. But is there, there is some uber cool stuff there out is. there that's, yeah. that's, you know, that hasn't been cannibalised too much. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see. Mm. But again, it's back to that. It's interesting because it's nice to do different things. It's nice to be working on different models. Just be challenged again. On. Yeah. When was the last time you picked up a 10 mil? <laughs> um, weirdly, I've actually started to get a bit back, uh, bit get more back, back on the tools. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, well, again, it's a small community. You know, you mentioned Tattoos and like BS Motorsport, yeah. Bainbridge. You know, we all know each other and it's services that you tap into with each other. So I was actually dynoing an engine last week. So it's really important. I just, you know, I love doing that. I like getting involved. Uh, It is harder sometimes because there are bigger things that you need to be doing. But um, yeah. When you get the opportunity to. I'm back involved again, so it's good. That, um, you mentioned the Trinidad car and I think think it's this, this car, right, that was here at oil cool at the time it was mid build and i'm sure it's long gone now um is that the one that was a drug mule car and was that or was that a different car that um and yeah it had like I mean, comp- weird little compartments in places where somebody had stashed stuff yeah there's lots of fl- kind of stories floating around of it but it was the car that came from trinidad i think it was yeah. the only car that got ex it obviously got imported there but no, not many cars get exported so i think it was one of the only cars that got exported back out um it went to America, and that's where Josh picked it up, our gotcha. founder. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it came back here, and it was such a cool car and story that it needed to, it need rather than it just be restored by us. Yeah, it needed an owner to like buy the car and the project and be part of that journey because that was the special bit. Yeah, and thankfully we had just this this perfect owner. Um, right. Okay. He's been fantastic. It's been a lovely project. Uh, to, to kind of go through and finding there's been weird stories in that like we found a guy up north that had the original service book he bought a service pack on eBay whoa because obviously they wanted the binder yeah and yeah in there yeah. was the bit that most people probably throw away it was a service book for a particular car that was no use to anyone bloody else bloody hell and he kept it how did that how did you find that guy was it was, um, it, was it through it came it actually it came through a social media post did that it had really? gone out on the car yeah. um and it just so happened that there was some detail shared of the car and this guy got in contact and we hooked the owner up with with, with the guy that's amazing and there was a there was another weird bit like the the original aluminium engine lid for that car we think we traced it back and we saw it was for sale probably about 10 years ago so we don't know where it ended up, but we do know that the, a royal purple flat engine lid in aluminium was for sale, and it was, right. it was not many of those. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just some cool things you kind of pick up along along the way, and it's it's bringing different people in. Like that car's been, we've had the original owner that that, that exported it out mm. here. He's seen the car. His son's come over and seen the car, and it's just kind of nice for people to see. Yeah. Was there any? Was there any kind of? Ooh, how much do you want for it? I'll buy it back or anything like that. Was there? Uh, no. Just, um, just curiosity. Just wanted to sort of curiosity. Want to see the car? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think the car had changed massively like, when we took ownership yeah. of the car. Yeah. It got BBS wheels, a big whale tail on the back. It got generation inside the car was what you'd expect in like a Capri, you know, your old school Recaros. Yeah, yeah. Graphic yeah. equalizer. Probably, out, yeah, literally out of Capri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, so there's, we've kept all that stuff. Have you, right. Yeah, we've got okay. all that stuff with the car. 
Um, but it did need, from, from a cosmetic perspective, it needed quite a few bits. But it was, it was, a, it was a great process in like blasting and cleaning back the shell and finding yeah, yeah, the original yeah. sealer and the royal purple and the original. So you were able to um, keep any of the original metal work that you, that it was not usable in the car, but actually it's got the original paint, so you could then scan that paint to get it yeah, so nailed we did, on. It, we, did, we started, we did a series of videos on the car. Mm. So in those videos, you can kind of see how the project took shape. Yeah. And in those, in those videos, you'll see the rear parcel shelf get lifted out where it's probably one area of the car that never gets touched and mm. there's a good coating of paint. So that's where we found the royal purple in its, in its nicest form. Yeah, so yeah. we were able to color match from that. Um, we, we also found things like the original paint code plate that had been painted over like four or five times. Of course, yeah. And so we've kept that. So there was lots of really cool stuff you were kind of stumbling along. Um, mm. So why, what have you but got? The, but the video does show you, because the shell, there was so much corrosion here and there in the car, and there was so much paint over paint and poor preparation that it just had to go back to a bare metal shell. Yeah, so it was yeah. bare metaled. It was then etch primed, which was almost like a, a light creamy color. Mm -hmm. So you could see that when the car was blasted, anything in cream was the original metal. Gotcha anything that we put in that was a black color was a new part purchased right and anything that was in bare sheet steel was hand manufactured so where we would normally put floor pans into a car because we were really searching to keep as much of the car original of and the owner was, yeah. was like i'd rather i'd rather do i'd rather it cost slightly more to keep more originality yeah yeah so we weren't putting floor pans in we were we actually it's made patch small pairs, sections pairs. of the floor hand pressed the bits out and let those in so in one of the videos, you'll see the car with the three different colors, and you can just see in that, in that picture what's original and what's not. Yeah, I'll, put, I'll, I'll link in the description all the, the series of videos for this as well. Um, I'm gonna go and have a rewatch of those. So, They're cool, and yeah. then, so it's at, the, at the moment, it's now finished. It's gotta have its shakedown, so it's in, because obviously the weather on the roads, it's yeah, in storage yeah. at the moment, uh, and then we'll get the shakedown phase finished. Um, and there'll be a there'll be a final video to come of like the finished product, mm. but uh, yeah, it's been a it's that's, been a journey, right? It's been a journey, yeah, yeah. definitely been a journey. Uh, and, you know, the owner's been on a massive journey with it as well. Very cool. What what have you got going on at the moment? That's that is the, sort of. Is there anything you got going on at the moment that you're like per, you personally love and you can't wait to see it? It's kind of in its early stages, always whatever stage is in, but you can. You've got that kind of, oh, I've got an emotional connection to this build. I really love it. Is there anything? Yeah. You could... I mean, there's a couple of, unfortunately, there's a couple of projects I can't talk about at the moment. Fair enough. Um, which I'm really excited for. Um, but there's, there's a project I've got in the background. I bought a 930 a few years ago to have a bit of fun. And as ever, we're so OCD about things. Yeah. We start taking it on a path. So I bought this car. I've ended up stripping it to a bare shell. Um, and I'm now starting to take that in the background on this on this journey so I'm quite excited to kind of have me as the only limitation in the project yeah so that's a car yeah. that I'm going to build and it it might not be for everyone but it's just going to be what I want to create is it going to be sort of resto modded outlawed or is it going to um, be is it gonna a be little like... bit a little bit of all sorts right okay. in there it's already partially modified um so I'm not as much as I'm big on originality and keeping things as as they were made at Porsche, yeah. this has already this has already st strayed down the road of, of kind of no return. So I've kind of got free reign with it. Nice. So it's going to be a little bit of 
you know, a little bit of original 930 in there, a little bit of resto modding. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be essentially what I want to see. It's going to be what I want to go in. Like if there's if there's 20 sets of keys on the board, this is That's the set the of keys that I take. And where's that in terms of process at the moment? So it's fully, it's at the stage where it needs to have metal. Okay. So it needs to have metal work done. Uh, and then I think the most, this most exciting bit for me is the mock-up, the dry build. It's like, it's putting all the panels on. Mm. It's working out where the bits that I'm going to be veering off piste on and doing all the hard working, working out where they're going and, yeah, yeah. you know, modifying panel work. Because again, I want all this stuff to look like you know, you open the front boot, you look in there, and everything that you see, it looks like it's always been there. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I just don't, I don't like this kind of cable tie retrofit stuff that no. kind of sticks in, and then you no. look and think. It just doesn't, Yeah. again, aesthetically, it doesn't work. It's, I get why people do it. Um, and if I think back to some of the cars I kind of have modified over the years, there's some car crash stuff in there. Blue Samco hoses, they now make my <laughs> neck itch. <laughs> I never want to see a blue yeah. Samco hose again. Um, and I just, but, but you know what, at different times of your life, you kind of... It is different times, and do you know what? Most people say you learn by your mistakes. Of course. Actually. And yeah, I think yeah. you, you have to go through those processes, I think. And that's why um, in the industry we're in, we're not here to tell people what to do. We're yeah. here to guide them through and steer them away from probably the mistakes that we made 20, 30 yes. years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when I started doing my apprenticeship with Josh, he was, he was already guiding me away from the mistakes Some of the that they stuff. made earlier. And that would have been, what, like you said, that's like 98, kind of that. And there was a lot, I mean, Fast and Furious was, it was ramping into the, the full neon body kit <laughs> crap everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and Big you could have easily, yeah, yeah, is it? You could have had six by nines cut out of a perfect shelf and stuff back in the day. So, you know, credit to Josh for just gently pulling you away from all that crap. Yeah, and, yeah. He's, um, he, I mean, he's always been kind of big on doing things his, his kind of drive has been not necessarily the cosmetic side, more of the engineering. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you close your eyes, does it feel good? Does mm. it sound good? Does it do what it's supposed to do? And that's actually been quite important to me. Yeah. Because at various points, you know, we build cars that look aesthetically pleasing. You look at nice panel gaps and mm. all the details are there. But if you drive it and it's, you know, the suspension is not working with the brakes because you've gone with something that's aftermarket and they're not yeah. quite interfaced properly. You know, it's heavily braked, but it's really soft on the suspension. Yeah, you know, it's pitching and diving all over the yeah, place. You can and, buy all yeah. of these things on online from different people, but actually, Porsche spent so much money R and D in every one of their cars yeah. to make them to make them work. That you, if you go, you've got down, to go some right. You to kind have of to work that. hard when you modify. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I'm even making that mistake. I think now. Um, so my Cayman, my 981 Cayman, the idea with that is they didn't make a 981T. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of, because it's a base car, but I bought the sport design body kit. I've kind of, I've imported some door cars of GT4 from Australia. Um, the accent color is green, so I've, um, the straps are now a, the, the exact right color, exact right material. So I'm kind of trying to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm cherry yeah. picking bits from different versions of cars. There's other stuff I'm going to get off 718s and I kind of want to build a, a kind of a 981T, but amped up a little bit. But it's still the same thing, right? It still has to feel like a factory car. Yep. Um, and I did a whole thing with Barnesport about geometry and suspension design, and I'm going to try and get attractive as well and speak to those guys because they yeah. know a ton about that stuff. So, um, That's but it's, cool. a, it's a real balance, right? To try and to try and get that right. 
not stiff enough, too stiff. Don't want to put huge, great anti-roll bars on it. And then it's just, it just, it's even tire size, right? Yeah. Compound of the tire, choice, all those choices make a huge difference. So um, yeah, I'm trying to be sensitive to that, but still kind of have my own ideas of what I want to achieve yeah, with yeah. it. So. And that's the thing, I think, you, you know, it's a car that you've bought and it's, it's been made by somebody mm. and it's now, you know, you've driven it, you've used it and you've gone, you know, I like that. I'm not too keen on those aspects. Yeah. And if you yeah. can like change and dial those bits out, it makes it a fantastic, it's such a unique thing. Totally. Like it's something you've created that's, that works for you. It might not work for everybody. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I even said, so Frank and I got into this and, and I said that, and I stand by it. And even with the 550 build, <clears> that I spoke to you about when I came, came over yeah. last time, which I'm oh, super excited about. Yeah, I know, so. me too. And, and I had some good news the other day about that as well. So I'm, I'm buzzing off it, but um, I'll talk to you about it off camera. But I decided even with the 981, if I do something and it's visually, it just doesn't work, I'll go back and redo yeah. it. And the and, and same mechanically, if I do something and it just doesn't, and I think the suspension's got to come off um, and I'll redo that because I'm just not happy with the choices I made at the time. But I think if you, if you have that in your mind that you're not kind of, just because you've spent money on something, if it doesn't serve the car and yeah, actually yeah. is a worse, it's, you've, you've degraded the quality in what, some way, just go back and redo it. Yeah. It's an expensive mistake yeah, for yeah. sure, but that's engineering, right? You, you, you make those mistakes, you try something, it doesn't work, then you go back and re-engineer it, come up yeah. with a better way of doing it. And then at some point in the future, you get that Goldilocks moment where it's, it's just right, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, we did a project, we did a 997 for a guy who had owned the car from you. And so he knew every inch of the car. I mean, every, you, you could take three 997s and they all just drive and do things slightly different, even straight from the factory. They've mm. all got, kind of got their own little personalities. And I think when you drive a car every day, you know, you know how it turns in. Yeah. And if something changes, you hone in straight on that or a noise or a creak or Absolutely. a rattle. Absolutely. So he knew every inch of this car and he wanted to go on a journey and do a project on it as opposed to buying another new car. Yeah, yeah. And Actually, we sat down together and I said, look, it's really important that we get this right, mm. you know, because you know everything about the car. It's not a car you just bought. It's, it's a car that you know everything about. So you yeah. know the bits you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we went on this journey and it's, it's had lots of cosmetic changes. It's had lots of trim changes inside. Mm. And then we ventured into mechanicals. And it's been stunning to kind of watch the car take shape. Yeah. And sitting in the passenger seat him and i went out for some lunch and drove up the road and we just went over a couple of little roundabouts and he's got this little deep dish steering wheel on it um it's not a race car it's a road car mm -hmm. but he just likes it to be closer to him and i'm sure. i'm a fan of it yeah deep yeah dish. yeah yeah and i just sort of sat there and i kind of glanced across and he's tucked it in across the roundabout you can see it like he tucks it in over and this little this cheeky little grins appeared yeah yeah and you yeah. think that's it that's it that's it that's, that's it. it that's yeah, the yeah. bit that we yeah. all yeah it's like so stupid, isn't it? The amount of money you spend to achieve that cheeky little grin, but yeah. that's, the, that's the moment where you forget all the crap that's going on in your life, the age you are, the creaks and stuff of your, what's going, everything else goes. And for that kind of period of time, the only thing that matters is the satisfaction you're getting out of that yeah, car, yeah. right? And, and that is where the money, that's where the value goes in is to achieve that, right? Yeah. I think anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that the engineering side of, of what Porsche create is, is phenomenal you know, and just like fine tune and tweak it to each person's different taste is, yeah. it's nice, uh, it's special. And, it, and it's interesting and nice to hear actually that you, 
have spent that much time and dedication to achieving something on a newer car, right? Because I suppose so far we've talked about air-cooled and, you know, and that runs out in the mid-90s. So, um, so to know that you're kind of still doing that stuff yeah. with modern cars, right? Yeah. And, 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 and there's still scope to personalise at that level as well, so. Yeah, I mean, look, we just, we love doing projects. We love doing special stuff. It's not just projects we do, we do servicing. Mm, and, mm. and, you know, it's nice that a, a service customer can come in with their 996, with their 997, with their early 3.2 Carrera. Um, and while they're having their routine annual stuff done and they're looking at their preventative maintenance for next year, kind of glancing over the corner yeah, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. wow, that's cool. And actually, sometimes they get little ideas. They'll come mm. in and they go, I quite like that steering wheel, actually. Or, you know, I like what you've done with the rear seat delete in that car or yeah. whatever it is that, that, that's, that's going on. So it's, it's nice that it feels like they can, they can take some inspiration from other people's mm. projects and ideas that are going on. Um, yeah, very cool. So what is next for Auto Farm then? What's the, have you, got, have you guys got a, kind of grand plan or is it just you know what you've got some great projects coming that's what you do and you've got you know obviously the bread and butter service and maintenance work yeah is the, look, the bread and butter service and maintenance stuff is nice because uh it's it's the stuff you learn i mean we, you're you're using you know we've got all the new PWIS stuff so you're constantly yeah. learning all the new electronics on on the newer cars and stuff um so that's that's great but uh yeah um, look we do what we always do and that's you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work on anything that's got the Porsche crest on it. Yeah. But we, ha- we, have to give it the, we have to give it the full passion. And sometimes that's, that can be a bit intense. Like, you know, we're, we're all a bit, we love what we do. We're not doing it because it's just a, a job. Yeah. Like everyone yeah, that's yeah. here that's does it. it I would say, what well, am I on 20 something, 26, I think, of these now. Um, and I don't think there's a single person I've spoken to <coughs> that stayed in the industry or stayed doing this kind of work everyone's got that same like yeah i've my good days and bad days but this never gets old yeah. right even if you even if you're used to it you just there's something in it that is yeah, yeah. there's a special source in porsche and i don't know what it is but um yeah it keeps people attached to it for sure yeah it is and i think the 997 we did uh more recently uh I got talking to the owner about it and he, he kind of described it like a tailor-made suit. Mm, mm. And it's, it hadn't really thought of it like that until that point. You know, there wasn't anything that we said, oh, you know, we're endorsed by that suspension manufacturer, therefore I'm going to steer you into that yeah, because that's what, yeah. we, that's what we sell. It was more of a case of like, what does he really want? Mm. What do we want to be proud of building? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, yeah, the unique side of it where no two cars that you build are the same. You know, you're not, it's not a car that's built and you get to choose a color and a bit of the trim. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know. It's uh, if you, if off menu. It's, it is, it is. And, if, yeah, if, yeah. and if the budget is there, as you know, you can design and make absolutely anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to I pick up more on the, um, on your car as well though. So um, maybe if we start on that. Yeah, I mean that's Drifted still drift. that's still it. Uh, still a lot of ideas on that at the moment. So I'm 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 still probably at the storyboard stage of right. Okay, I'm gonna get the the main focus for me at the moment is to get the shell solid, jigged. Yeah, I want to make sure it's straight and everything's good. And then once I've got to that stage, it for me the heart of the car being straight solid is the most important thing. And if I have to spend more doing mm, that, mm. I may sacrifice a bit of the spec. 
Uh, okay. For the spec to, get to come that later. Sp- right, okay. Um, so Have you got they, a timeline for when you, or is it just like it gets done? It's gets rolled done. on quite a bit actually. Yeah. So it's been it's been dormant for a year mm. while we've been focused on some other projects. Mm. Um, and yeah, my business partner Steve's Steve, giving me yeah. the kind of kickstart to kind of get it rolling again. Oh, that's good. Because also, really, it's it's kind of it's a showcase of what we can do as well. Hundred percent. When when you were talking about it, I was thinking this is a perfect opportunity. You can kind of your. It's your vision, right? Yeah. So you can take you can take everything you've learned, everything that you've made a mistake on, every kind of design choice that you've kind of disagreed with or that you've wanted to do ever, yeah. and you can package it up in this yeah. one thing, right? Yeah. I'm gas, super excited the about it. The gas mark is turned up then, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah, massively. Like yeah, massively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. But at the same time, you can guarantee that the detail and the finish will be... I, mate, I, I, I'm not waiting for an invite. I'm coming back when you get that car in here, right? Like I said, I want to get it moved on to another stage because yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, um, be it a house project, a car project, you do sometimes get to a point where the momentum slows. Yes. And then you kind of lose a bit of, oh, not necessarily the, the desire to do it, you just lose a bit of the energy to, to force yeah. it. Yeah. And then once you get the wheels turning again, uh, it, you start getting that hunger for it yeah, and then yeah. that's that's the bit again so yeah i mean our main always nice way yeah our main folk our main focus was obviously that we, we had a massive takeover of auto farm with josh keeping him in the background and, yeah. and not changing what was already you know auto farm was already functioning yeah what yeah. we wanted to do was like amplify and add to what was already a good yeah, thing yeah you didn't want to come in and go do want to be a different company right yeah, you know the what? essence of it's still really what important. you've done all those years well, we're yeah, gonna throw yeah. That away. And, and that's and john was saying he comes in from time to time he's mooching around oh, that's brilliant it's like jay leno looks exactly the same as he did 25 yeah. years ago and <laughs> it's just i mean i've worked with josh for a long time um he's cut me a lot of slack when i was younger i probably didn't probably didn't appreciate how much of a pain in the backside i probably was in the yeah, early days yeah, yeah. Um, equally, I've probably done a little bit of reciprocation through that changeover. You know, I'm I'm the guy he took on as an apprentice and probably wanted to hang me a few times. And then sure. role reversal where, you know, he's being employed by us. So right, right. there was, uh, yeah, a little bit of mutual respect. It's fine, don't worry. I can edit that anyway, it's fine. There was a little bit of mutual respect going on there. And then to be at a stage where, you know, when we took over, I remember him saying, just don't hold the business back. You know, really? Move it forward. That's good of him. Because yeah. you can understand that you, could, you would forgive somebody for <clears throat> if it's their life, their brand, their reputation, people know him attached to the company, that you would be a little bit cautious about handing that off to somebody else. Even if someone you trust, right? They're still going to have that like, oh, please don't ruin this. It's my legacy as well, right? Yeah. It's attached to that. So the fact that he was like... Yeah, I mean, it's, it was always... It's always a hard thing to, to do to take over, um, but I I think the the biggest thing for me was not undoing the goodness yeah. that was already done. And then you know when you shake someone's hand, you, it's your bond, it's your word. You know yeah, I yeah. will take this forward. You know Steve and I as a as a as a as a say couple like like business husband <laughs> and wife. Yeah. Uh, you know we'll do this and move it on. And to see him come back into the business and still enjoy coming in to see it and yeah. not think, you know what, that's that's not the place I want to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's nice actually feeling. like having my granddad come in and sit nice. and chew the fat and talk about 
you know, and I still get stories out of him now that I just like I hear things and I think I've been here you know I've, it's been 25 years yeah, I've done yeah. this with you and how did I not know about that um, so yeah it's cool that's mega um, it feels like that's a natural kind of stopping point so and I want to come back I do genuinely want to come back and see you know when you're kind of coming to the end of a project and it's here and we can kind of do a bit of a tour around but I'd love to go back and especially the 930 I can't wait for that but for now though Mikey thank you so much and um, guys, I hope you really enjoyed that. I, this from you know, definitely up there in my top five most favourite episodes so far. So um, we'll be back uh, at Auto Farm at some point in the future. But for now, thank you, Mikey, no, no so worries. much. Thanks really for listening time. to my drone. <laughs> take it easy. Hey, take care. Bye for now, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I mean, it is a long one. I know that these heritage episodes are um, purposefully long episodes they are supposed to be long form um and hopefully you've had an opportunity to just chill out uh you know whether you're walking the dog or you're going for a long drive in the car um and you just want something on the background that's what these are for really for you to enjoy those in long form so um i'll mix them up of course with some of the shorter episodes some of the 20 minute half an hour ones but these heritage episodes if you see that all tech talk chances are it's going to be a longer form episode but i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you're having a lovely week um, please do reach out if you want to be in your Porsche stories you can still do that just drop me a DM at Rengineering UK on Instagram or info at Rengineering.com and I'll see you back next week uh, take care everybody bye for now